Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James and that's Conrad. Hello. That's him. Well, Conrad, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, <laughs> we can't we can't return to the the Ikbendu joke again. That's been done. We're moving on. We're we'll nothing on, if yeah. not original on this show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty good. I opened a stocks and shares ISA today, so I'm doing grown up things. How are you? Stocks and shares. I did. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I can't believe myself. What does that even mean? You're going to invest? I, I think it means I give someone a hundred pounds a month to invest the money for me and I don't have to think about my finances until I'm 80. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, I'm too scared to do that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was as well, but I spoke to one of my friends who's uh, into finance and they recommended it. And so here we are. I'm throwing my money into the black void of the FTSE 100 and hoping for the best. Yeah, and you can take it out whenever you want, can't you? I think so, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say friend, it was a person I met on the street in a trench coat, and uh, they asked for the money in cash, which was, you know, it seemed unconventional, but they seemed trustworthy. Did What did they have inside the trench coat, or didn't you ask? Uh, it was just a bunch of watches. Oh my god. <laughs> Steve Martin, man with two brains, trench coat, that should put an image in your mind. Right, okay, I'm, moving I've on. I've never seen that movie, I'm sorry, <laughs> I've never seen it. Anyway, there's a woman who has a trench coat in it and uh, she opens it up, she's got nothing underneath. That, that was oh, a very gotta-based joke I was making. But anyway, the listeners can uh, look that up if they want. Right, okay guys, make sure you subscribe on podcasting audio apps and make sure you also subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Like the video, I think you could do that as well. Um, apart from that, I thought that'd be great. We're getting to the point now where we've, we've, we're sort of very close to the end of season two already even though it's only just started because there's only eight episodes mm. so we're, we're like three episodes away so i just i'm really chomping at the bit to get going here yeah i i can sense that and i i am also excited to talk about this episode it was a good one right okay let's get right into that yeah let's do it oh let's break it down the episode opens with stranger Jonas and marta mm. Uh, in the in the spirit of Borat, because it's coming out tomorrow, sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Talking about um, ladies with very few clothes on. Yeah, Marta. Yeah, once again in a state of undress. Marta um, Sands trench coat. Yeah, yeah. Very. I, I don't know if we've seen her wear a trench coat, uh, but yeah, if she did have one, she certainly wasn't wearing it in this scene. No, that's, um, that's, that's for certain. I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts about the sex dream. Go All right. <laughs> okay so it's taken me until the third time and i have to be honest i was watching this with my partner and they were the one who suggested this and it made me feel stupid for not thinking of it sooner but so and, and to be clear my partner is not the one suggesting all the good theories to me before you <laughs> i can hear you commenting away um so right so marta we know marta is having this dream and we know younger Jonas is having this dream and, and now stranger Jonas is having it as well and I I didn't think this until this episode, but I I guess this implies that this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the the thing that that kind of threw me on this was last episode Marta had told the guys in the cave that she was dreaming about Jonas, um, which to me kind of sounded like it was a fantasy more than it being real. But the more I think about it, 
it doesn't really make sense for them to have a shared nightmare unless it's some an experience that or based on an experience that they actually shared. So maybe Martha and Jonas did end up having sex after the, after the kiss that we saw them share, um, which is bad. That shouldn't have happened. Um, <laughs> Why? Well, I mean, a lot of reasons, um, <laughs> really. Especially, I think number one with a bullet, uh, based on this scene, is the coalescing dark matter portal stuff uh, in the shot, which appears to be kind of positioned over Marta's womb, uh, seems to heavily imply that she might be pregnant as well, uh, which is going to be real bad <laughs> if that turns out to be true. Oh, uh, yeah. See, but, last, uh, see yeah. last week, whenever uh, Marta had the dream, I opened a conversation about this. Uh, yeah, you did. Um, and then you sort of quickly said that you thought it was just, uh, you know, implying it was like sort of work on the filmmakers' part rather than actually telling us they, that it was a real thing. And I, yeah, imme- I immediately yeah. like receded into my shell as a turtle would because I didn't want to give anything away. But even by uh, yeah. bringing it up to you, I thought I was leading you. Once you didn't actually get it, now you 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 led you led the horse to water, but you could not force it to drink in that <laughs> case. And it took me three goes round on that before I was like, oh, yeah, maybe it's not a comment on like some kind of mimetic legacy that they share. I don't even know how that would work. Although I guess they are related. But, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it took me three like instances of it being shown to realise that maybe it was an experience that they actually shared. So probably the last horse to cross the finish line on that one to continue the equine metaphor. Well, you got there in the end anyway. Um, yeah, so- just about. So uh, do you think the Jonas that we are following in this, where he's like back in 21 with Adam and stuff, do you think he's already had sex with Marta? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So you think, I think, we, I think we, we just after the kiss. Okay, we just weren't shown it then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what do you think about the scars on the, the stranger's back? Um, what, as in just how they look or... Uh... Or like kind of a wider implication of those. I was just you know did you did you when you looked at them did you just say oh he's been through some stuff or like what was your thoughts? Hmm, I think I don't. I, to be honest, I didn't think about them until you just asked me about them. But I think if I reflect on what Adam has said about the body not holding up to continued time travel, the scars to me maybe seem like they could be as a result of continued time travel rather than wounds sustained in a, in, in combat. Um, but I'm, but I'm not hundred percent confident on that. Oh, okay, cool. It's just going to be something we look, we sort of keep an eye on it as we go forward then. Um, all right. So then next we've got, uh, Jonas waking up after the sort of the opening credits happen mm. and Jonas wakes up with Adam watching him. Um, yeah, not creepy at all. Yeah. And then uh, Adam says, tells him to get dressed, and he's laid his clothes out nice and neatly for him. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Jonas wears yellow again, so that's score one for Conrad on the Theory Matrix, for those counting along at home. It's not actually <laughs> oh, yeah. on the Theory Matrix. Well, was it not? Oh, it should be, <laughs> No, I didn't put it on. I should have done, because I'm going to need those points. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I was mainly, in this scene, I was legitimately impressed that Adam can remember how he dressed when he was 17, because I certainly can't, um, and I'm a hell of a lot younger than Adam. Yeah, like I, I like the idea of Adam being like, like thinking to himself, like, "What would yeah, I like?" Yeah, what would I want to wear? <laughs> yeah. yeah, get him some Converse. That's yeah. what the kids like these days. Yeah, that was my favorite jacket. Let's get him to wear that one then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of the actual dialogue in this scene, is there anything of note you noticed? Um. So, I mean, this is kind of an ongoing dialogue that kind of underpins the entire episode. This it's a bit like the HG Townhouse and Stranger dialogue from episode yeah, yeah. eight of season. Yeah, like this, is, and there's actually quite a lot of that in this episode. Like really, really compelling expositionary stuff, 
which is delivered through really good character work and and this is a this is obviously something that's returned back to you so in this initial scene um it's quite cryptic in this initial scene when we come back to it later i think there's more stuff uh to unpack um but to to give a brief glimpse into what my feelings were as the episode went on kind of started coming across uh coming um what's the word i'm looking for coming along i guess with adam's point of view by the end of this interesting okay we'll talk about that later so then we get mm. the uh the plate again it says it sort of is going down one day at a time two days until the apocalypse 25th of june yeah um so we don't have to talk about that anymore and i think you so you're in your mind in episode seven is the apocalypse that's that's i think that's what you said before yeah, so I think next episode, Egon's dying. Okay. Because um, that's going to be 26th of June. Um, and I think in episode seven, uh, Apocalypse is happening. Okay, cool. Uh, right, okay. So then we had the German name of the episode. Now, I did actually yeah. Google... I, I did Google Translate this. Um, okay. And then the Google Translate, I'm not even a German speaker, and I just looked at it and thought, that can't be it. That can't be it. <laughs> well... So I, I, I've I no actually did. I actually, I actually did did look it up. Uh, the actual name of the episode. So I've got the the actual name. I don't have the Google translated version. Okay. Now, um, because it, I just knew looking at it that it was wrong. Like each. Well, there you go. You're learning. Yeah, I just knew. The reason I knew looking at it is because each word was like nine letters long, like <laughs> something something. And I was just like in my mind, I was like, I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling about this one. So I actually looked okay. it up, and it was wrong. Well. Okay, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I think it is, and you can tell me how wrong I am. I, I'm gonna, I'll lead by saying I have no idea what Lost is in German, so I'm not even gonna try. Um, so I'm, I'm not gonna get it. But it's it, JJ Abrams' be... a show for ABC, isn't it? Yeah, I should have watched Lost in German. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the road not taken. Yeah. Um, or, or lost, full stop, as the case may be. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, lost. I don't know what that is. So it'll be something uh, und gefunden. I think because I'm pretty sure found is gefunden. See, gefunden was what it said on Google Translate. Oh, was it? Oh, maybe I've done myself here. So you've actually no, you've done pretty well there, even though it's not right. But you've done you've done pretty well because you've actually got what Google Translate. And you know, if your German's as good as Google Translate, you're doing well. So yeah yeah like well i mean based on what our german-speaking listeners have told us google translate is terrible so um that's the standard that i aspire to to be honest yeah yeah, exactly uh okay so um it's actually now i'm not gonna get this right because right now i can see the 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 lost word i have no idea how to pronounce it oh take a take a run up at it and just give it some give it some moxie and you'll nail it i'm sure Uh, right uh (laughs) <laughs> no, it's a particular sound that I just don't know if it's going to be... <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, Come on! Vom Suchen und Finden. That was alright, I think. I mean, I don't know how that first word is spelt. Um, there's, there's, so Vom is a word on its own. The second word, which I was... Is S-U-C-H-E-N. Which uh, is... I would say Suchen, I think. See, yeah. that's, what I, that's why it was a flip of a coin for me. It was Suchen or Suchen, and I didn't know which one to do. I mean, again... My German is so bad. There's a lot, I apologize to our German-speaking listeners who are probably hearing me correct your pronunciation incorrectly and are furious about it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that's how I would say it. But that's what's that's what's hilarious about that. Um, that's what makes it a good segment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. So just to show us that he actually is Adam one day, uh, Stranger Jonas is watching Hannah sleep, um, just like just like Adam did with uh, Young Jonas. Mm. Um, so he's got his little uh, suitcase and all. Uh, he's yeah. off. He's off on a trip. 
yeah, he looks like Paddington Bear. He's off to do something else. Um, and, you know, he doesn't... He disappears for a long, a long stretch of this episode, uh, The Stranger. And it's not... I would say... Even by the end of it, I don't think it's immediately clear what he's actually off to do. But the way that he's um, kind of speaking to characters throughout this episode implies to me that he has business in another time and he doesn't think he's going to see a lot of these characters again. Well, also, he knows the apocalypse is coming and he knows. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's sort of like, peace, see you later. He's doing, he's doing, yeah, he's doing his, doing his rounds. Yeah, see exactly. you later. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are going to get bad around here and I ain't going to be here for it. So. Catch yeah. you on the flip side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him. No, I would do. I'd get the heck out of there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So um, after that, we get then uh, Katarina, Magnus, and Marta. And uh, Marta has had enough of Katarina's crap, basically. Um, oh yeah. She gets Katarina gets a full dressing down talking to here. Yeah, I mean, this is um, Marta is great in this episode. Katarina's good as well, but um, there's this. There's a running theme in Dark, and it's very, very prevalent in this episode of our actions coming back to haunt us, um, both in a literal sense with how they affect kind of the future or the past, um, you know, when people are actually time traveling, but also like in scenes like this in a more traditional relationship sense. And what I really like about the Nielsen family dynamic as it exists now is that what we've seen in the previous episode and again here is the Nielsen children and Katarina that they're actually like, ironically enough, they're on the same page for pretty much the first time since the first episode of season one. Um, yet because of everything that's happened between them, all the water under the bridge, all the all the conversations they haven't had and all the secrets they've kept, they're completely unable to reconcile. And it's, it's such a wonderful depiction of a family breakdown um, and how how hard it is to get that kind of familial bond back once it's been broken. Yeah, and what I uh, interesting about this as well is that Katarina is basically trying to tell Marta what Marta wants to know. Yeah, exactly. Like they, if if they just spoke to each other, they would be on the same page, but they can't because they haven't they've lost that. And it's yeah, it, yeah it's a really really wonderful demonstration of the impact uh, that what we've seen them transpire so far has had on on these kind of family dynamics. Exactly, and it's actually this is it's in the next scene we get um, Alexander on the phone, and before we talk about what he's uh, doing on the phone, which will be great in a minute, but um, the fact whenever uh, Regina comes in and says Bartos isn't here and starts mm-hmm. going on about um, you know he didn't come home last night, and there's a real emotion there, and she's so worried mm-hmm. about him, it really gives you that contrast between one family who's lost a family member or two <laughs> or two. Uh, to to time travel or God knows what, and they're sort of going through this trauma and crisis. To the other family who hasn't lost anyone, and there's and you see how much the mother is worried about the son, whereas Katarina has been ignoring them for months. So that yeah. the contrast between the two families there was great for me. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know that that kind of um, that contrast of family dynamics is very prevalent in this episode. You've got Claudia and Egon, who we'll probably come back to you later. We, we've got a certain priest and Charlotte uh, <laughs> that, that we'll also come back to later. Um, and, um, oh, there's another one that I've completely... Oh, yeah, Regina and Alexander as well. Um, just these these kind of family dynamics that, that are really kind of played in parallel to one another to show the different ways that families are dealing with the revelations that they're being faced with. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, cool. So in this uh, scene with Alexander and Regina, they actually do um, show us uh, Alexander on the phone to somebody, and he's basically saying, find out what Clausen knows. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is Vola. <laughs> like, it, I, I'm almost certain it has to be. And what did you make of Alexander doing this? Like, was you know, did he come across as more of a sort of a mob boss than maybe we thought he was? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what sway he has over Vola, whether it's just money or something else, um, because he doesn't. I mean, he obviously he has stuff to hide, um, but it's not you know some kind of criminal enterprise. So, and he doesn't he doesn't really seem like the type to go around bribing cops. So I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how their relationship got started, but, but the way his character is played is, is like, this is a sort of desperate flailing of a drowning man here. Like he knows he's in trouble. Um, and he's really worried about what Clausen might dig up. So he's playing every card he can to try and get out of it. Um, so what do and, you think Clausen might dig up? Like, what do you think is he worried about? Well, I mean, there's gotta be something in the, um, in the Boris, uh, Boris Niewald, uh, past that could could get Alexander in trouble. I mean, obviously he turned up with what sounded like police chasing him and a bullet wound in his shoulder, so and a gun as well. So uh, the implication is that he probably wasn't on good terms with the law uh, when he arrived. Maybe there's an outstanding warrant for his arrest. Yeah. Um, but I think generally speaking, the the Tiedemans, um, as you kind of alluded to a moment ago. The, fami- the familial dynamic between them is one of two people who genuinely care about each other, kind of clinging to one another as the world burns in this episode. We only we only really see Regina and Alexander in this one scene, but there's a ge- there's a genuine kind of tenderness, um, which isn't surprising. You know, we know they they care deeply for one another, um, but but it's interesting how they uh, respond to this crisis when compared to other characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have always thought that. I like I, I love the relationship between Regina and uh, Alexander or Yasin. Mm. Um it's just <laughs> it's just I I realized that we were gonna do a whole scene with Alexander and not call him Yasin once. Yeah, no, we had I'm glad we got that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh you know, this is Yasin after all. Uh and <laughs> and I, I like the way that uh I like the, I like their relationship. I, it always sort of there's never a moment in their relationship where you doubt that they love each other. And that's why Yeah, I, absolutely. It's, it's just great. Uh so very, very short scene, which we probably don't really have to talk about uh, at the minute. And that's Claudia's back in, in the 80s and she's got the newspaper oh, for bo- foreboding. Yeah, I, I think in this scene, really, um, the only thing I was taking from it was that I was desperately trying to make out the close up or make out from the close up of the newspaper what it was saying about Egon's death. Um, but my German completely failed me. So I did not get very much from it. But um Still, I mean, we get confirmation in the subtitles that the details around his death are quote-unquote unclear, which um, mm. introduces attention to the story, I think. Yeah, and one of the uh, one of the commenters from uh, previous the previous episode actually pointed out to us uh, that it's much it adds a lot more when you can actually read in, in the German on the newspaper article. But oh yeah, no, I wish I could. Yeah, we'll just have to put do without that. Uh, okay, so then we get the next scene in the Jonas and Jonas slash Adam. Uh, mm. conversation and it's the whole and this becomes a very famous quote in the show Conrad you probably knew when he was saying it but uh, a man lives three lives yeah yeah this this felt um, in in a episode that had a couple of very very um, of, of speeches that were very sort of pregnant with with meaning this felt like one of the big ones um, and the, the the way he talks about it so obviously 
you your first life ends when you lose your naivete, which I think one could argue Jonas has already lost. Um, then he talks about the second life ending when you lose your your innocence. Um, and it does beg the question, what innocence is the stranger going to lose? Um, and it's, it's um, yeah, it, it, it constantly throughout this episode, it asks the question, you know, how is Jonas getting from where he is now to where Adam is stopping at, at the stranger? And I feel like there's going to be something pretty traumatic in uh, what well, we know. In fact, we know there is going to be something pretty traumatic based on how Adam describes um, his path to where he is now that's going to happen to the stranger at some point. And I wonder when that's going to happen. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, because obviously the uh, three lives is obviously very much uh, mirrored in the three Eunices that we have at the minute. But uh, obviously yeah. the, the lines of when they turn to each is not really set out properly. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I I had to have a laugh to myself when um, Adam, when he was talking about um, the uh, the future and how he knows how it's all laid out. And he does say, I know what shares to invest in, which puts Adam dangerously close to my own statement about what I would do if I could go back in time and talk to my past self, um, which I don't know what that says about me as a person that Adam is, is <laughs> and I are of the same mindset. But But there we are. And also, you've you've uh, you've you've also just in, uh, got into the stocks yourself. So that's true. Oh geez. my god, I'm already on the path. You're on the path, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, you know, hopefully, you know, you don't. Uh, hopefully, I, I really hope that I like. I, I pray that you do not end up looking like Adam. Uh, that because that would be very traumatic for you. But I mean, uh, I like his I like his dress sense. But yeah, I could do without the sort of full body burns if it's yeah. all possible. Yeah, exactly. I like the fact that he's still wearing like the big collar, even though we already know he has a scar. It's, yeah, it's a stylistic choice at this point. Yeah, yeah, they have to. They have you know, to, they have to you, you're not just going to abandon that. If anything, if he abandoned it, it would be like um, you know when you have like a friend who wears hats all the time, and then you <laughs> suddenly see them without a hat, and everyone's like, "What's going on?" And that would be <laughs> yeah, what it was like with Adam. Like if he suddenly stopped wearing the high collar, everyone would be asking him, him if he was all, all right, or you know if something traumatic had happened to him. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Right? Okay, so we get uh, Ulrich. Old Ulrich, I should say, is uh, trying to escape. Um, we won't say too much here because we do have more to say later on when he actually achieves what he wants to achieve. But um, yeah. he basically uh, sees the man has a key card. He then smacks him over the head with a bedpan. Um, great way to is go. It, is it like a pottery bedpan or something? I don't know what it is he actually hits him over the head with. I thought it, it was like a. I thought it was like a. Oh, it shatters. Jeez, must be a pottery bedpan. I really thought. I think it's. <laughs> I think it is a bedpan. That's what it I thought. Like it, that's what I thought. But it looks like it's made of like clay or something. So yeah, maybe they make their own bedpans in this asylum, which is you know a lovely, a lovely thing to get the inmates doing. Yeah, exactly. They make their own. Uh, that's the first day they get there. They have to make their own bedpan. They, they're not allowed to go <laughs> yeah. until they've made it, and, and it's been yep. in the kiln. Uh, <laughs> Or like Ulrich, like just standing, like shiver, like jittering because he needs to go to the toilet so bad, just wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, waiting on the kiln finishing. Yeah, it's like you'll learn your lesson. Yeah, it's just kill cooling down, Ulrich. But anyway, um, so I also wanted to point out this scene. <laughs> There's two things. One thing is, uh, the guy going like he's about to get hit over the head, so they're, they're trying to make us not be too sad about it. So he's like, uh, say what you want about Reagan, but <laughs> I love <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit of political chat. Yeah, a little bit of political chat, and then he gets smacked on the head. It wouldn't be any. It wouldn't be something that draws from eighties films if you didn't mention Reagan. I think Reagan, yeah. that's one thing that is like a trope of 
uh, 80s nostalgia stuff is you have to have Reagan mentioned somewhere. Yeah, all it was missing was Ulrich uh, exclaiming the actor when uh, when Reagan was mentioned. Um, to be honest, but yeah, I feel like that's that's a, a sort of cultural touchstone is is mentioning Ronald Reagan at least once. Yeah, and even the fact that they were able to tie it into a statement that Reagan made about uh, Berlin. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was just great. Okay, so then we get uh, Claudia goes to see Egon. Um, mm. Very emotional scene again between these two. There's a lot of really heavy scenes with these two this season. Um, Egon says yeah. he's proud of her. Like, what were you going to say? Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, it's this this conversation feels like a bit of a parallel to the Nielsen argument um, earlier to me um, in that you can, you can clearly see the love that these two have for each other. Um, and it seems to me that Claudia desperately wants to tell Egon the truth um, and talk to him about what's actually happening. But she can't because of forces outside of her control, which in this case is her older self's um, influence. But this this was a really really touching scene, and I, I suspect we're going to get a few more of these before before things are done uh, between Egon and Claudia. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, what do you think about Claudia just being like, "You should live with us tomorrow"? <laughs> yeah, that it's um, I, I I love like her how how it's kind of her pragmatism really comes through in this like she's not a very she's not good at being emotional um and uh so she just has to be like no you're just coming to do this and that's why like it, and and you know it'd be good for regina and it's kind of framed in a very unemotional way and and it, it's it stands in really stark contrast to um the performance uh, performance of egon where there's like there's such pathos in him telling claudia that he is proud of her um, and saying her mother would be too, um, yeah. knowing what we know about his character and how that relationship ended, yeah. um, and how painful it must be for him to even recall memories of her mother, for him to still bring her up is is so touching. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we go from the kind of bittersweet to the, I guess, foreboding when he says, um, you're acting like I'm almost on my deathbed, which I really, <laughs> really love. Um uh, but yeah, it's it's a real roller coaster. This scene, I I I like I, I don't want to talk too much on it, but it's just it's nice to see Egon smile when when Claudia says she's going to bring him home. Yeah, um, and he he doesn't he doesn't like kind of understand a lot of what's happening here, but it's also tinged with this sadness because I I don't think Egon, I I, I suspect she's back in the eighties to try and fix what's going to happen to Egon, but I don't know if she's going to. Okay, awesome. Uh, right. Okay, so moving on. We have a scene with, uh, well, there's actually two scenes put together here because it is a sort of, sort of one really long scene. And it's, uh, first of all, Hannah um, and Katarina. Katarina comes into Hannah's house and um, having a chat. Katarina's definitely sort of accepted it now, mm. uh, what, what happened to Mikkel, and is asking, uh, you know, you saw Mikkel there. Is there any chance I could go back and get him? Uh, mm. Hannah says, no, you can't. Um and then there's also a little bit of chat. So <laughs> Katarina actually says, you've slept with both my husband and my son. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love that the Katarina just says the thing that the audience is thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really. Uh, like she really takes Hannah to task for it as well, which is, I, I'm kind of on Hannah's side with this. Like she didn't know yeah, so am that, I. that Michael was her, her son, like at the time that she did it, it wasn't deliberate. Um, I I really liked um I I th- felt like Katarina's behavior in this scene is really consistent with her character um the way she's she sort of she's like a bull in a china shop when she gets an idea in her head and this this idea that she as soon as she comes to accept this time travel theory uh which, which as a little aside it's quite funny that when Hannah actually says the words time machine 
Katarina can't help but like mock her, even though how else are you going to travel through time? Obviously, yeah, yeah. Try, like you've accepted everything else. Why are you laughing about a time machine? Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just like kind of like just needling away at Hannah. Um, but when you compare her her behavior when it comes to the consequences of time travel to someone like the stranger, where she just immediately comes over to Hannah's house and she's like, right, I'm going back to the 80s to get Mickle, and, and she doesn't care about the consequences. Doesn't quit, doesn't care that it's going to erase Jonas from existence. It's just like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Um, which yeah, felt very consistent with her character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, and when you think about people you know in real life, I've got people who I know in my in my life who would be like the Jonas type, and I've got people who I know in real life who would be the Katarina type of just like, yeah, yeah we're going to get him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that? But I'm going to stop existing, and they be like, nope, don't care. Sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll think about that after I've done it. <laughs> It's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> yeah. Here's a question. Do you agree with Katarina that Hannah is a parasite? Um, oh, that's tough. I think I'm trying to think what she's actually contributed on her own. And I don't think she really has contributed that much. I think we it's hard to take what Katarina says about her at face value because obviously there's there's a lot of there's a lot of history there, a lot of tension yeah, yeah, yeah. between them. But I do think that Hannah hasn't really contributed that much on her own. I think her her contributions to the show and to particularly to the the time travel storyline are more about the people that are around her than they are about her. And she do, she doesn't seem like a very proactive character. Um, in fact, I'd say the two genuinely proactive. Oh, actually, no, I'll say the three genuinely proactive things she has done um, are falsely accuse Ulrich of rape. Um, attempts to kill herself and um oh what was the last one i've lost it it's gone out of my head there is another thing that she's done but it it wasn't a good thing either oh blackmail alexander so oh, yeah. um so all of the like kind of proactive stuff that she's done that hasn't been kind of like leaning on someone else is pretty negative really uh so yeah i think she probably is and then clausen comes in the room and he's got a <laughs> uh drawing of Jonas or stranger Jonas. yeah with him and shows Katarina and Katarina's like no I don't know him and then like really slow look at yeah. Hannah she she this is a hospital pass to Hannah if ever I've seen one here like she <laughs> she drops Hannah straight in it with that look yeah yeah it's oh my god but uh so anyway Clarkson does a few funny things in this um he says uh one would think uh, a mother whose child is missing wouldn't forget about that yeah um and I kind of disagree with that, to be honest with you. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think you, it's totally believable that you'd have lots of things on your mind. Yeah, and, and I know it, Hannah's meant to be going to him to talk about finding her son, but still, you know, still, you know, you can't, you can't, anyone who's someone who's grieving a lost child, you can't really expect them to do anything, I would imagine. And, yeah, and, 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 but also, you can't judge their actions no matter what they do because everyone would react differently to it. Yeah, and I think there's a real... It's interesting that you say that, actually, because I hadn't fully thought about it, but there's a real lack of empathy on his part um, for Hannah, um, which I feel is maybe a little bit revealing of his character, where he's kind of more interested in solving the crime than he is about helping the people who have been affected by it. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I I really do love Clausen's theatrical manner. I think it's really entertaining, and I think it brings... The, the scenes with Clausen in it offer something different to what we see in the rest of the show and there's a kind of tension to uh his his investigation developing although i don't really see how it's going to kind of play into the larger time travel story yeah yeah um, exactly but i but i i do love 
when his character shows up. But yeah, he's not. Uh, he doesn't really have much of a much of a uh, a humanistic element. There's not. He's not. He's not like got a. Bit, he's not got a very soft touch. Let's say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also questions uh, Hannah on the money that Alexander Tiedemann has been paying her. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that her answer when she started saying that we support each other and stuff. I thought that was actually. I was like, geez, good answer. <laughs> yeah, like off the cuff, it's not bad. I, I mean, I think it, it's it's. I, I do actually like that this has come back because I think Alexander continuing to pay Hannah uh, through a means that has a paper trail mm-hmm. when she's blackmailing him feels like an enormous oversight. But but I think it kind of reinforces this idea that neither of them are criminal masterminds yeah. um, and is totally believable. And as you say, I think her response is not bad, honestly. Like, you know, it's... It, yeah, it, I can, I can it, see that happening. Like if someone's child went missing and that you're technically employing them to do something for you, I could see them saying... I'll keep paying you. You come, you come back to work or come back to massage me whenever you feel like it. Even yeah, though that's not actually ready. what happened, but it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that, that was funny actually. Whenever she was talking about how we we all support each other, you know, and that we're a community that supports each other, Klaus is holding the. Phone. I don't know if you picked up on this. It was it, to me. It made me laugh out loud of monosphere. Uh, Klausen's holding the photograph that he that she's uh turned Katarina. She's folded Katarina out of the photograph with her and all. Yeah. yeah. And Klausen goes. It's good to have a community that supports each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shares money and occasionally beds, I believe, is his, uh, his line after that. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, the woman has lost a child. Like, this is... <laughs> I get that you think she's lying, but there's a way to have this conversation that doesn't require you to be quite so smarmy about everything. Yeah, exactly. Well, smarmy's a great word. He is, he is smarmy, I would imagine. Yeah. Not imagine. I know he is. Uh, right, okay. So <laughs> then uh, Jonas, Stranger Jonas, is... You know, apparently on his trip, he was actually going to the Nielsen house and he smashes a window, gets in. I actually forgot that he smashed a window. This is like, I've watched this episode maybe five, six times at least. And this is the first time I noticed that he smashed a window. I don't know what I was doing before, but he smashed the window, goes upstairs mm. and he leaves a medal uh, or like a bit of jewelry necklace thing on the uh, on a pillow on Marta's bed. Yeah, so... There's still questions around this. Like he leaves the necklace on Marta's bed that will eventually become the keepsake of his younger self um, in 2052. Um, so presumably Marta will give it to Stranger Jonas, I guess. I don't actually. I'm trying to think about the chronology of this now. So Jonas was like kind of treasuring it in 2052. Yeah. So he has it in his possession. I think it was. Uh, yeah, or 2053, and if if. If we don't go on Netflix, I'm, I'm, correct I'm sure he was treasuring it in both, but uh, we saw it in 53. Yeah, but but okay, so that implies that it's something that's left over from Marta, and we see, but we, we only see Stranger giving it to Marta now. So how does that make sense? So he's had it for like 33 years or whatever from that point we saw Eunice uh, treasuring it to this point. Oh, okay, so... Because right, because I'm thinking about this being the sort of beginning of the bootstrap. Well, uh, bootstrap paradoxes don't have a beginning by definition, but this is. Um, but that would mean it, the Mar- Marta having it now, she would have to give it to the Jonas we've already seen, but that's already passed. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. So, like, how can he treasure something that that like Marta didn't even have at the point that he's um, that before the point where he's treasuring it? That's kind of, like I'm trying to think this through in my head, and it's confused me. It's almost as if there's more episodes to watch. Yeah, I'm sure that'll make sense. <laughs> like once I've seen a few more, but I've tried to rationalize that in my head, and it's not made sense. But I'm I know, interested uh, yeah. to see what happens with it. I I know what you're reaching for. I, like I understand that you're reaching for like 
this could be a cycle already because it is he's giving it to Marta and then he has it as a younger man so maybe there is a cycle already in place here but I'm not yeah. quite, yeah I'm not quite sure all the pieces are in there for you yet okay cool well we'll come back to that in a few episodes time perhaps yeah. tune in uh right okay <laughs> so then we get another Adam and Jonas scene uh and Adam and Jonas are having a wee chat having a wee chat about um loopholes and the and the like yeah um there's the, the, <laughs> the throughout this episode the more adam spoke I, I i've said this already but the more adam spoke the more i was like he does have a point um and i don't i'd like i my gut feeling is to not trust him and i think we'll probably discuss the full gravity of what he has sent jonas off to do when this kind of this arc within the episode concludes but for now you know he's talking about closing the loophole um he's talking about creating a world without time or god which it feels like an admirable it feels like an admirable goal born of good intentions but i don't know i don't i where we are at the end of this episode i'm still not sure where i where i land on adam yeah it's really interesting actually because he is an ominous figure who you're not sure quite sure if you should tr- could trust whereas on the other side of the coin is that what he's been what he's basically telling Jonas to do is kind of like what Jonas wanted to do in the first season when he went to try and take Mikkel back even though it would make him not exist anymore yeah you know? absolutely and and I think the problem I have at the moment um which is true at the end of this episode and also in this particular scene between them is that we know that Adam has lied to people and lied about some pretty bad things but so is Claudia um and I feel like Claudia is positioned as a slightly more trustworthy character um, when compared to Adam. So, yeah, I'm still going back and forth on 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 where I stand on Adam because I do trust Claudia. Um, but the the sort of criteria by which I'm judging Adam, I'm not fairly applying to Claudia. Maybe it's just because I like Claudia more. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, also, there is that whole thing as well as like look at the look at the bad guy from season one. Noah and then look at him now kind of thing and then yeah. like you know so we, we can't really even look forward five six episodes and even know where these characters are going to be you know the ones who are being positioned as like the big leaders and stuff yeah We're, absolutely it's it's something that we always have to constantly be sort of reevaluating anyway but um which we'll look forward to hearing only on the after dark podcast right okay <laughs> so next uh we get now this is a really tiny scene but i thought we would, we would talk about it because it is funny no it's funny but also weird right uh we get like uh Elizabeth walking into a cave and she looks back around and mm. there's a tree there. And then behind the tree, very stranger like, because Stranger did this in the first series, Noah is behind the tree. Yeah, I I I'm glad um I'm glad you wanted to talk about this, to be honest, because for a start, I love the wide shot of Noah. I think the composition is beautiful on it, and the sort of just the way it sort of slowly zooms in on him as he's watching Ellie head into the caves. Yeah. Um as I say, it has lovely composition, and it tells us that whoever Ellie becomes, she is important to Noah. Uh, well, we we which... know we know after this episode that uh, Ellie is Noah's granddaughter. We do, yeah. Um, so that's something which may, uh, yeah, may play a part in later episodes as well. I suspect. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really nice scene to just set up the kind of shift from the the earlier stuff in the episode, which is a lot of. Claudia and, and Egon and a lot of um, 
uh well a little bit of the the Tiedemans into the more charlotte heavy stuff that's coming in the end of the episode um and particularly focused around this 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 group of kids um and it's a great way to set it off and it, it does beg the question as well we'll come back to this later but we know that Noah, or maybe I guess it could have been Helga. Oh no, actually no, she does say it was Noah who spoke to her, um, mm-hmm, her yeah. being Ellie. So we know that they've spoken before and nothing has really come of it. Um, so the the show is, as it often does, kind of leading you towards the big reveal at the end of the episode um, in a slightly more prosaic way than it normally does. But it's definitely giving you the little breadcrumbs. Yeah, and also it's interesting as well because obviously if Noah talks to Ellie, he oh Noah must have sign language, uh, which mm, we've we've, yeah. t- we've we've touched upon before, but the idea would be like do you, it's interesting actually because at some point in the future do you see him gaining a relationship with Ellie like his granddaughter now that we know through sign language like uh, how, when would he learn the sign language do you think or do you think there's a reason or do you think he just knew it already or um. I wonder when he learned it. That's a very, I mean, to be honest with you, that's a very, in my opinion, a meta question, but it's, you know, let's go for it anyway. I mean, you, I, I suppose you would not necessarily need to speak sign language to initiate a relationship with someone who's deaf mute. You know, you can get by on hand gestures and, and, you know, like, eye contact and and text you know, body contact yeah and text messages yeah that why why didn't i immediately go to that that's the obvious thing to do is just write it down <laughs> yeah. uh rather than just like trying to mime out can i buy you a drink um <laughs> um i i think he'll learn it after um their relationship forms or maybe he'll never learn it maybe it'll always just be a kind of you know this this relationship where they don't really communicate with each other um noah certainly he he likes to talk but he doesn't strike me as the world's best communicator when it comes to actually like sharing and sharing feelings so (laughs) maybe maybe he'll just you know stick to the basics all right cool uh right all right so then we're up to the charlotte scene now it sort of goes straight from uh the the cut there is really interesting now because we know that um noah is her, her her father so with a cut into her and she's uh very emotional asking who is noah um, the stranger says he's a puppet. He killed all the kids. Um, and then, uh, I think Charlotte mentions her parents here again, doesn't she? Yeah. So she doesn't know about her parents at this point. Like when she's speaking to stranger, yeah. it's slightly before the scene where Noah confronts her in H.G. Townhouse's yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Str- stranger's performance in this scene, um, makes it seem like he's lying to me when he's questioned directly about her parents he kind of looks down uh and and doesn't give her a straight answer oh well he does so, okay he says, so you're he's assuming tonight. he knows who her parents are yeah that, that was my read of it um which begs the question why is he lying um is it because he thinks she would be better off not knowing that noah is her father um mm. possibly i suppose uh but i think the real thing i took from the, or the main thing I took from the interaction between Stranger and Charlotte is um, the actress whose name I looked up, and don't worry, don't worry, listeners, I didn't spoil myself, but it's uh, Caroline, Caroline or Carolina Icorn. Um, mm-hmm. Her performance in this scene and and generally in this episode is is so good and so strong. And when when she the face she makes when she asks Stranger uh, if he knows who her parents are, and she's sort of 
it, she does this thing with her face where it's like this sort of contortion, this pained contortion, like she's on the verge of tears, but mm-hmm. she's trying not to cry. Uh, and it's it's just a wonderful performance, and it contrasts really well with the strangers, uh, who's kind of being very taciturn and lying to her and not making eye contact. Um, but yeah, Caroline Icon, her performance throughout this episode is fantastic. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's also cool that she asks about um, her grandfather as well. Um, yeah, yeah, who we fo- a- we found out actually that he's not a real grandfather. Um, yeah, so that's that's a that felt like a really really um, important piece of information to find out that they're not actually related yeah did, did you did you expect that or did you you didn't actually predict that but were you, were no, you surprised I don't, I, don't, I don't think i really did I, I i figured i was i was trying to place hg tanhouse because he seems like a a character who doesn't really have a lineage um either you know prior to prior to the 1950s or or after the 1980s really apart from charlotte obviously and apart from, um, but also there's a load of, um, he, he somehow has all the uh, Sikamundas stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, so there is, that's really the link to the past for him, um, yeah. to, to quote the name of a Nintendo game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, I, I kind of, I felt like there was something about his lineage which was being kept from us, but I didn't honestly think it was going to be the fact that he's not related to Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. Although I, I guess I had predicted previously that um, Charlotte was going to be taken from her correct time and kind of given to him. So maybe I had kind of indirectly thought about it, but it's it still yeah. surprised me a bit. Okay. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, also, she gets confirmation as well that uh, um, Adam used HG Townhouse to get the time machine built um, mm. in the same way that he used uh, Noah, apparently, and in the same way that he used... Uh, who else did he use? Well, he used Halga, I suppose, through Noah. But um, anyway, yeah, I'm yeah. sure others as well. Like, oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It, he seems he's. This is kind of why when he's talking about wanting to create a world without time and without God, um, when he talks about it, it's a, it seems like a very lofty ideal, and it seems like his heart's maybe in the right place. But he's still creating a world where certain people will exert influence over others. And I suspect he's going to create a world where he'll still be the top dog um, because he's just good at manipulating people. Uh, so it's it's why I'm kind of reluctant to to believe him. Okay, awesome. Right, okay, so then we have uh, the scene where they go and find Bartos in the, in the cave. Yeah. Um, and they actually left him there all night. Yeah, I, I, that was harsh. I did not. Uh, yeah. I, I thought someone would go back and you know maybe give him a little bowl of water to lick at, like a cat or something. <laughs> but he just had nothing. He was just like, "Here you go, lie yeah. in a cave for twenty four hours." Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they they go to leave him again, uh, and then he finally gives it up and says, "It's a time machine." Yeah, they and there there's some really really good character work from Bartos in this scene. Um, the 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 revelation that uh, he's not allowed to tell his friends what is going on. It's quite tragic in a way. I know I've given Bartos a hard time um, up until this point, but to see that his character seems like he's already trapped by the poor choices he's made and is basically now completely alone um, Uh and maybe will be for the rest of his life is actually really sad um, because as much of a knob as Bartos is, he he doesn't deserve a life of perennial loneliness and isolation for the mistakes he's made. Yeah, true. Um, okay, so then they all go and travel to 80, 87. 
mm. and they travel uh, in the caves with the time machine. Uh, the actual shot of the just before they travel is just absolutely beautiful. I love I yeah. love the shot. That, that is this show every time they seem to have made a conscious decision. Every time someone uses the time machine, it has to be a, an amazing, beautiful shot. Yeah, I, I'm really interested how they light it as well because the light emanates from the time machine. Uh, but the time machine, you know, it, it's obviously uh, there is a there is a physical prop there, but there's a lot of uh, CGI on it as well. So maybe that it's covered in lights and they're kind of um, they're, they're they're editing them out um, in post. But it's you know it, it's really beautifully lit uh and and the the composition is always is always really striking yeah it's great all right so next up we have uh the burnt doppler and claudia scene where she's going and sort of questioning him about the god particle again because wouldn't you know he didn't tell her the truth oh th- this is i love this scene uh because throughout dark we have seen this theme over and over again of secrets tearing Vinden apart uh, and and normally for selfish reasons and it rears its ugly head here and uh, and it's just of all the secrets that people in Vinden are keeping this is by far the biggest like perhaps the biggest scientific discovery in human history and Burnt yeah. doesn't want anyone to know about it because it will give the power plant in Vinden a bad reputation and mar his <laughs> legacy yeah. it's just it's so unbelievably selfish and short-sighted it's, it's like Burnt come on man it's the god particle it's not just like <laughs> oh we figured out how to make a power plant run a bit more efficiency efficiently it's like you've discovered something which alters the the like the rules of physics as we know them and he's just like nah Leave me out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And but but he also didn't he say that like you know when I die you can you can tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that uh, that introduces a little a little kind of sort of Damocles above Burns' head, where it's like <laughs> knowing what we know about Claudia, how long is it going to be before she 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 offs him? Because um, <laughs> I bloody would if it was like the go- this is uh, you know something that's going to reshape the landscape of physics as we know it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm just bumping off Burns. He's had a good life. He's you know he's in his seventies now, or whatever. Um, he had his power plant. He had his dream for a while. Exactly. You know, he had his he had his dream. He got to build it. He put the coal plant out of business, presumably. Uh, so you know, he got the last laugh on those guys, and <laughs> and and now he's just you know retiring to his his nice home in the country. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lo- it's a great scene. This because it's it's once again that theme of secrets tearing Vinden apart. But this is easily the biggest one. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, okay, so. Then we get sort of the culmination of the whole old Ulrich uh, scene. Uh, so there's a couple of scenes going back to back here, which I'll just mention quickly. He finally goes and meets Mikkel. He then uh, then we cut away to Enos, who's stealing more drugs for Mikkel. Um, <laughs> and then we and then she finds out about the madman who's escaped. And then obviously she's like, "Oh, I'm a mother now. I really this is, this is freaking me out." And then we get a whole lovely scene where Ulrich um, uses the cup to remind Mikkel who he is because of the magic trick that we saw in episode one of season one. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think it's... As much as I may dislike Ulrich as a character at times, the scene where he sees Mikkel after 67-odd years apart is genuinely touching. Um, and it's it's really beautifully shot, the the reunion. I think the the close-up of Auric's hands kind of clawing at the picnic table edge while he's waiting for Mikkel to bring him a drink in particular, um, it really stood out to me because for, for two reasons. One is that you can kind of see the age in the actor's hand. Yeah. Um, 
which makes him seem quite vulnerable. And it works quite beautifully, I think, as a parallel to the other times we've seen close-ups of Ulrich's hands, which, to be blunt, is when they've been covered in the blood of a child. Um, (laughs) And I think it's really kind of like a visual demonstration of the duality of Ulrich's character here. He's, you know, he is capable of monstrous things, and I don't think he's a particularly nice man, yet here he is nervously playing with some wood as he tries to think of what to say to his son, who he hasn't seen in a lifetime. Um, and I think it really exemplifies this show's commitment to exploring its characters' moralities to the fullest. It's it's it was genuinely touching um, to to see this. Um, and and yeah, yeah. sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, and like at the end of the first season, we we were both not not hot on Auric to be honest with you. And and I think you even you said that you you were really interested to see how they in any way would redeem his character because. Yeah. It's for you, he was just like, this guy's not a good guy. Um, like he literally beat a kid to death. He cheated on his wife. You know, there was yeah. just, there was a lot going on. You know, like yeah. uh, he may or may not be a Satanist. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Egon certainly thinks so, and I trust Egon more than I trust Ulrich. So, yeah, exactly. So, I think that the the way that the show has done it is probably the best case scenario. What they did was had him serve a sentence for thirty three years. So even if we like think, well, he's still a child murderer. Well, he served thirty three years now. He also is genuinely a bit unhinged at this point. Uh, and also the fact that as well, the fact that it's a different actor, even though he looks really similar, in my opinion, the fact that it's a different actor who's really old makes you be able to sort of separate it a little bit, maybe, from the horrible things Auric has done. I, I think so, yeah. I think he, he's played with a certain amount of vulnerability that middle-aged Ulrich is not played with uh, at all. Like the 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 40s... Uh, well, or the the 2019 Ulrich, who was in his 40s, I think is played with a kind of cocksureishness, like kind of an arrogance that um, that really makes him easy to dislike. Whereas this Ulrich seems vulnerable. He seems like a man getting towards the end of his life, um, and and it, it's it's hard not to feel something taken take away. And I, I know you shouldn't really do this, but if you take away all the context for you know where what has happened to these characters or what they've done prior to this scene if you just look in isolation at the reality of an old man seeing his son for the first time in 67 years and he can't yeah. even think of what to say so all he can do is just show Mikkel the magic trick which he did the last time they ever saw each other and it's that there is something genuinely touching about that and i think it's brilliant that the show it hasn't shied away from from you know calling out the the uh, the bad things Ulrich has done and like you say i don't think it's really trying to redeem him it's not no, I, i'm i'm really glad they haven't had like a a kind of Ulrich redemption arc where he goes and dies heroically saving someone's life or something like that because that would feel quite cheap to me and instead all they've done is just say look for all the bad things this guy has done he does still love his son and yeah. this is a genuinely touching moment between them yeah. um and it's it's paralleled and i know you've mentioned it briefly before and this is this is me getting caught up on my my old theories but i remember i think it was towards the end of season one probably where i was saying oh i really like enos and mickle's relationship and it seems really wholesome <laughs> and nice and it's brilliantly paralleled with that with yeah enos stealing sleeping pills <laughs> and it's like can no one just have a good relationship in this show for god's sake <laughs> stop drugging mickle enos um I don't know. It seems maybe like it's worth going into the full, the full Ulrich kind of att- escape attempts now, if you want to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I mean, I think um, 
maybe you can answer answer this this question for me but i found it odd when they make a break for the caves that mickle doesn't say anything when they're caught by the police um not that it would have helped much but i, I it's, do you think the implication there is that the drugs enus are giving him are kind of generally making him subdued um yeah uh i do yeah i i think that the implication is definitely that um that it, he's sort of got a fair he's got a fog over his head you know okay. over, you know over his thing there's also a, a strange thing is like that he's been with enus now obviously on drugs and he's been with enus now for what like what is it six seven months now yeah. and and he's been on drugs the whole time and he's he's at the point probably where he's even and this and this man although he is his father he doesn't look the same and maybe there's like this this strange fog in his mind where he's even questioning like am i am i really this this man's son you know yeah i i that's interesting you mentioned that actually because it it puts me in mind of what mickle uh sorry what Enos said to mickle uh before she took him home from the hospital with the the butterfly who dreamed it was a human thing where oh, yeah. i wonder if there is a bit of that in his mind where he's kind of like he doesn't know what's real anymore because of the drugs and because of the traumatic things that he's been through um mm-hmm. that would that would make total sense to me actually that's a really good point um and and i think it's not to go too deep into the into the montage that we get but there's a brilliant shot in the montage uh where enis is taking mickle back quote unquote home mm-hmm. um and it's enis walking towards the the camera holding mickle and mickle's facing away from the camera and it really gives this kind of visual sense of mickle being like dragged back uh to to the to the Carnvald house yeah um, and then and then it's followed by Ulrich being sort of violently uh strapped to a bed um and it it does a really good job of fleshing out these relationships and not in a good way for Enos and Mickle and it's it's re- it's really interesting how in two scenes they've managed to make me go from ah oh, Enos loves Mickle and that's a really nice relationship <laughs> to get that boy away from that woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's not good yeah 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 Making i will... him Horlicks with sleeping pills in it I will say as well, right? I don't know if you you picked up on these this sort of ironic theme within this episode. Egon has done nothing but fail time after time again in terms of his police investigations, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Time after time. The one time he succeeds, the one <laughs> time he succeeds, he's actually keeping a child from going back with his rightful parents. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Like he's like Detective Egon on the case, just like <laughs> st- stopping the one thing that he could have actually allowed to happen. It would have had a positive result, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, because in his mind, like this is his like police arc, like coming to an end now, and he's yeah. like, he's like, yes, I finally <laughs> yeah. did it. You know, but imagine him walking away from the police cars, like dusting his hands, like, and that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like nice can, one, Egon. Now I can retire in peace. Yeah, know? and I, I, I love the um. This is another one of those moments where I, I like it's 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 Dark's very very grim sense of humor. But when they're driving Ulrich back and he's in the back of the police car and he sees uh, Magnus and uh, <laughs> yeah. and Francesca and Ellie and Marta and he's like, "Those are my kids too." And then it's just like, "Oh, Ulrich, you're not doing yourself any favors here." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, every yeah. child that you're driving past, you're gonna say is one of your children, and it's just this really, it's 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 kind of. I re- I took it as like a moment of levity. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't intended as that, or maybe other people didn't. But uh, to me, it, it it read as quite funny that that moment, and it kind of broke the tension of what what is a really kind of emotional arc for that character in this episode. For me, I think to be honest with you, I think it can read both ways. That scene can can read like a serious like it depends where you where you stand at Ulrich. I think. Um, yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah, it depends where you stand on Ulrich, but but it is very sad, obviously, that he's now being carted away. They're my kids, my kids. He, he looks like an absolute nut, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably going to go, you know, they're probably going to bring back electroshock therapy for this for this nut case. <laughs> yeah. But, Chemical uh, lobotomizer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but I I I get what you mean, and I would say probably the first time I watched it, I wasn't I didn't find it funny, but. Uh, Definitely, I find like I find the more you watch the show, the more bits of uh, bits of levity come in, you know, because uh, it is a very like sort of dark show in terms of the tone. It is very serious most of the time. Yeah. So whenever you've watched it one or two times, you start actually seeing the jokes for where they are. Like they do include yeah. a lot of levity in the show. It's just you need to look for it. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's a spot sometimes. I do think it's funny that you just found that funny from the get go, though. This yeah, man, I, I, this I, man, yeah. <laughs> he's just like. He just cannot catch a break, Ulrich. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. he, like when you when you actually look at what he has achieved, and and I guess I I look back on my prediction, uh, around about the middle of season one, where I said I thought he was going to die because he was giving all his kind of like plot crucial information to Charlotte, and I look at what what he's achieved since he's done that. It's like okay, you failed to beat a child to death, got arrested for sixty sixty odd years or thirty three years, I guess. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then failed to kidnap your son and take them back to the future uh, and then look like an absolute nutter by saying that you saw your other children on the streets <laughs> in the 80s while they were driving you back to prison. And that's all he's managed to do. It's just, at some point, you have to laugh or you'll cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is a, it's a dramatic irony of a laugh, I would imagine. But uh, yeah. all right. So then, uh, very short, this scene. We don't have to spend too long on it, but it's the one where... Um, uh, I think it is, yeah, it's it's Adam, and uh, he is talking about how he wants to create a world without God, and he says he's the they're the antithesis of God. Mm. Um, yeah, so do you, do you have any mention of the, sort of the themes of this, this one? Um, so, have... I mean, there was a question I had coming out of this particular scene, I believe it's this one, where he's talking about his counterpart. And yes. it, so my initial thought on that was that he was talking about the strange but I don't know if that's a correct read of who he's talking about there, because I have also thought uh, kind of it. Well, he, he refers to his counterpart as he. So it, this, that kind of ruled out my, my line of uh, theory crafting on this, but I did initially start thinking about maybe the counterpart is, uh, is Claudia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I think whenever I first saw this, I would have, I assumed it was Claudia too. Um, but the fact that he says he, I didn't really, to be honest with you, what I, I imagined was he was sort of talking in the sort of the, the abstract, the theoretical, you know, yeah. my my counterpart, he. Um, and he was sort of, even, I would imagine, like in my mind at this point, like Claudia was his counterpart, definitely, um, in, in my mind. But yeah, the I mean, idea, she seems more in opposition to him. But but I think but I think at that moment when he was talking about it, he wasn't actually applying the theory to real life about who his counterpart was. He was sort of like <laughs> quoting the textbook that is is his mind, if you know what I mean. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I just I I, I was trying to figure out whether there's another character we haven't met yet, or whether he's just kind of talking in broader terms about people who aren't working with Sigmundus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's some really good stuff in the, in in this Jonas and Adam arc. Uh, I I liked the uh i am your future line it has a very i am your density feel to it which i've said before <laughs> but but that one you know it, it hit hit that mark for me and i think a lot of what adam says in this episode does mm. seem correct i i have to keep reiterating that you know his ideas about closing the loophole 
and I've said it before, but creating a world without time or God, where we're all capable of influencing our past and our future, it does sound nice. But mm-hmm. I just ultimately, I think humanity is still ultimately going to revert back to this situation where you have people who are looking to exploit that system and exert influence over others. And I think that's Adam. I think, you know, he does it with the Sigma Mundus members, and I think he will do it over this world he wants to create. Um, but there's there is some fantastic character work in this. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's in this scene or the next one, but the, the line, uh, some moments change us forever, some pain you never forget. Yeah. is a, about as pregnant a line as as they come uh, it it just it brilliantly sets up something that's going to happen presumably to the stranger um in fact it must be the stranger because because otherwise he would already be closer to adam than he is um but it it sets us up for anticipating something that's going to happen and it, i i'm i'm really curious as to find out what that is cool uh okay let's <laughs> move on uh so then we have uh, the next uh, scene is the one which I'm sure you're all waiting to hear. It's the one where Noah comes into the clock shop um, and sort of talks to Charlotte. Mm. I'm not going to say, I'll just let you go on this and then I'll give my thoughts after because it's such a pivotal scene. Yeah, well, I think um, just to briefly mention this before we go diving into that, uh, the blueprint for the time machine comes back again in this, mm. uh, which is twice that that's been shown in the past few episodes. So that that seems to be confirming that it's going to be important and presumably someone's going to try and build one. I don't know who. I'm holding out hope for Peter Doppler again because <laughs> he would he'd make a real mess of that. Where um, is Peter? Yeah, he's he's missing. Oh, uh, he's just hanging out, you know, he's making some making some acorn men. Actually, no, he never did that, did he? Well, he's, he's yeah, well, he, maybe he's, you know, his father's now gone. He's maybe. taken up the the acorn. And that's actually something interesting as well is that there wasn't actually any there wasn't any. It doesn't seem to be any grief or any time no. in the show p- <laughs> put into like, the fact that old Helga went missing. It's a really good point. Yeah, it's not even been mentioned. It's just like, eh. unless it's, unless it said that in the book and they knew that was going to happen. Remember, um, Toronto oh, well, and he, he Peter had the book. For it. Yeah, but still, I mean, I would have thought like when it happened, you'd allow yourself a few days of grieving to be like, my my dad's gone, but Peter's just straight on with it. He's yeah. got more important things, but he's got bigger fish to fry, Peter. Yeah, yeah, um, he definitely does. And I, I like the idea. I like also the idea that Tronta isn't in this season so far. So like the idea is that like uh, Charlotte and Peter like fe- wanted to start like figuring this out, and they were like, uh, "Here, Tronta, y- you know, we're gonna try and figure this out. You want to Trump figure it out with it?" He's like, "Get away! I've got bushes to cut." Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got cords to tie around bushes so they survive <laughs> yeah. winter. All right, I've not got time for time travel. All right. Yeah. My Are son, you- my son is dead from the 80s uh so like you know i've not got time for anything else yeah and um, it, like the thing is as well like he he has his answer about what happened to Mads. yeah i mean i i guess maybe tronta is is grieving i well, i or it's missing that. now too <laughs> to be honest. yeah he's had yeah he's had a rough time of it he's lost both his children so maybe yana and uh and tronta just just off grieving somewhere in a corner which i wouldn't blame them for yeah do you think um, you're gonna see uh yana and tronta again in, in dark that's a good question, actually, because they've not got long to show up. I I feel like um, not to talk about Dragon Ball Z again, but there's a very brief <laughs> uh, shot of Android. I'm gonna say eighteen, the male Android, uh, when Goku is calling 17, for like a, seventeen. Is the male one seventeen? Eighteen. So when Goku, because th- the only reason I know that is because Krillin marries eighteen. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, you are right. Um, so when Goku is doing like the massive spirit bomb to defeat Boo, uh, there's a very brief shot of Android 17 on Earth. Um, and and that's like, hey, 17's still alive. And maybe we'll get one of those of <laughs> yeah. Tronta and Yana just, just as the apocalypse, as the apocalypse is, happening. is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just, it will just cut to Tronta and Yana and Tronta's trimming his bushes and Yana's uh, probably looking at He-Man figures. And then it's like, oh, balls. <laughs> and then, <laughs> they died doing what they love. Yeah. <laughs> Book right. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next uh, scene. Actually, was there anything else I wanted to mention there? Yeah. It no, we haven't even done the Noah and Charlotte <laughs> stuff. We got too, <laughs> too busy talking about bloody Peter Doppler. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Charlotte. Okay. <laughs> so what do you what do you have to say about this Noah reveal then? Um. So first off, I I've absolutely I've absolutely like nailed it here, listeners, because those of you who've been paying attention will have noted. That I I was toing and froing between Jonas being uh, Charlotte's dad and Noah being Charlotte's dad, and a couple of episodes back, it might have even been last episode in the Q and A, I I said no, I'm going to stick with Jonas, but what I didn't say in that episode <laughs> was that I was leaving a theory in my matrix saying Noah is related to charlotte <laughs> so i generalized it but i kept it in so instead of getting are. a minus one you'll get a you'll get a zero I'll get a then. zero yeah i'll get a zero i'm a bit annoyed that i didn't get the onus one but but here we are i'll take the zero in this in uh in 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 you know light of what it could have been um so yeah so your let me ask you a question actually we'll go what? further into this in a minute but your theory was that Jonas was going to get with elizabeth in the future and then they yeah. were going to have charlotte Obviously, that's not true now. So, what are you? What's what's? Do you want to leave a theory till later, or do you want to just give a short idea of where your mind is now? Or what is in where Noah is going to kind of have his relationship with? with like, who's, like who? Like no, no. Who's Charlotte's mum? Oh, are, well, I still are, think are it's Ellie. Are you still sticking to that? Yeah, yeah. I still think it's Ellie. Like that that head bump in season one is has, <laughs> has, has got me sold on that. I think it's Ellie. And, and also, I mean, not to jump right ahead, um, but the uh, your mother loved you. She still does. Mm. That means her mum's still alive, and there aren't that many people, there aren't that many like kind of women of Noah's age, um, or or older, I guess, in 2020. So I think her mum is from a has grown up in a different time, basically. Um, I but don't that, know that, when... that could all actually that that could fit with your theory because the idea would be as well like she still does because you know her daughter who's living yeah, there she's right daughter, now yeah. right now loves you, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So I, I think it's saying your mum loved you when she was a grown-up in whatever correct time she started in, uh, but she still loves you because she is your daughter now. And it would explain all the cuts between, you know, Noah looking at Ellie in this episode. Um, I guess you could also explain that by them being uh, grandfather and granddaughter as well, which introduces a whole other kettle of fish that i'm not even going to get into with what, you, you think he, what you think noah was like uh noah was like here yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna go back and uh you know experience what she was like when she was younger and then he, yeah, he, he goes go, too yeah. young too young yeah. <laughs> and then he started yeah the reality of him sleeping with his own granddaughter uh dawned on him i was like that is a bootstrap paradox i do not want to consider thank you very much um but uh yeah so uh, i i haven't the the picture that he showed of him sort of cradling uh, Charlotte didn't look like the post-apocalyptic future to me. That's as much as I can really say on that for now. Like, yeah, I, I just I don't see many people kind of out for a walk in like the lovely kind of snowy woods in 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 2052. <laughs> frankly, the, the sacks, 
yeah, just just out of shot, a horrific bu- alien bug cocoon and a burning Humvee. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think... Lovely Elvis the- soundtrack, though. Yeah, oh, that's the soundtrack of a generation. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, wherever wherever he and Ellie got together, and I am sticking with Ellie as the mother, um, I don't think it's the future. So maybe, maybe Ellie will go back as well at some point. Um, but uh, but yeah, so talking about this actual scene, finally getting to the the meat of the issue. <laughs> I, I think Noah confronting Charlotte in H.G. Tanhouse's shop is super appropriate, given what we find out in this scene. Um, you know, it's her like the person that she was left with um and um and and her and her father so like you know the 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 kind of line of succession if you like for the for the um i guess we don't know what her name would be actually because that well to get into it then there there's some i look i looked up noah's actor's name in this as well and i think it's mark vashki i think is how you pronounce it okay um but there's some real tenderness to his performance here yeah uh, so struck yeah um, and and we see that theme of selfishness appear again, which I really really like. It's really believable in this, where he he kind of says to her, he does all these horrible things to ultimately stop them from happening. But then he kind of undermines what he says because he he then goes on to say his actual goal is to stop a very specific thing from happening, which is having his daughter and his partner taken from him. So while Noah might kind of talk in these really kind of grand terms about wanting to fix the timeline, ultimately he is still selfishly motivated. Like a lot of people, um, a lot of people in dark. Um, and I absolutely love the reveal, uh, that the, the fact that Charlotte has been in the twenties the whole time and Noah couldn't find her implies that she's named something else than what she was born with. Um, which asks all sorts of questions about what Charlotte's real name is. And also, obviously, what Noah's real name is, um, because they presumably share a surname. Um, yeah, it's it's just there's there's so many there's so many characters who potentially aren't called what we think they're called now that I don't know how we're going to keep track of this. Okay, um, I'm I'm very tempted to to ask you a question there, but I'm just not. I'm going to leave that. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, one thing that I noticed in this scene, and uh, I'm not going to really go too much into it. Because there is a question been asked in this episode for our uh, now Ooh. Friday Q and A session, so I had to I had to change it to a Friday. Um, well, we'll talk about okay. why why that is in the actual listener Q and A episode, but it has to be changed to a Friday. Um, so it'll be set Mondays and Fridays from now on for the podcast, just so you know. Um, which I think is better. I like it better. Uh, yeah, so start your weekend off right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so basically, um, I like the idea whenever Noah says, uh, I'm, I'm Noah, and then uh, Charlotte's straight away like, I know who you are. Um, and then because she knows who he is and she says you killed the children, Noah, the moment that he found his daughter, you could see he walked in the shop, he was very tender. And then he, for a split second on his face, you can see, I think there's a lot of regret in his face for killing those kids in that moment because that's who his daughter sees him as now. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely, yeah, there's definitely remorse in his performance here where he's he's... He doesn't want his daughter to view him as a murderer. Yeah, and, and I it's... think, and I think, I think as well as it, there's in, it, within within his own mind as well. I'm not sure if it came across in the performance, but we all know as well that he did that for her. Yeah, yeah, he, absolutely. I mean, it's he's he says in this he is selfishly motivated. He wants to have her and her mother back. That's all he wants, and and there is a tragedy to that. I think um, you know it's not. We we've drawn this comparison before, I think, but the the Ulrich Noah comparison, you know, how far are you willing to go for the ones you love? Um, mm. 
and they're, they're not a million miles away from each other in terms of the, the horrible things they've done and the reasons they've done them, I think. Um, yeah, very similar. Yeah, and I, and I think to, to, to go back to my theory coming into this season about there being some discord zone between Adam and, Yo- um, Adam and Noah... Oh, mama! Do we have some? Do we have some tension brewing by the end of this? Oh, yeah. Like the that Adam knew it was you, and the way he looks when he says that, that feels like a big nail in the coffin of yeah. Noah and Adam's relationship. Yeah, um, he, knows he does what not he has look to like. Do. He, well, yeah, the the I have to end Adam so everyone lives and not just those in the bunker, and then puts on his hat and his stinger plays is pretty badass as far as a lion goes. I I don't actually think. I I feel like we might be heading into another Ulrich situation here um, based on sort of how Claudia has spoken to Noah, where it's sort of implied that he doesn't really understand the game he's playing. And this feels like another moment where a character is going to enact a violent act to try and stop something. And in doing so will actually cause it. Um, but it's still pretty badass, regardless. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's great. Um, okay. So I'm sure there'll be questions about that scene in the uh, question and answer video on uh, uh, Friday. So catch us there. We'll move on now, though. So um, we get another scene with Adam and Jonas, which, again, we say they're, like, dotted throughout this this episode. And Mm -hmm. this this one, uh, Adam is sort of talking about how everything is in a line and linear and adds up together, and eventually you get somewhere. And he goes over and shows Jonas a load of different plans for different machines on the wall. Yes, he does. Yeah. Do you have I any was, thoughts uh, about that? I was very excited about this because I had predicted that there was a time machine inside the church, and it seemed like it was leading up to one, um, <laughs> or to revealing one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's. In, I I think he this this is also kind of one of the reasons why I think Adam is being slightly dishonest with Jonas here. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of reasons. So. At the beginning of this scene, I think it's at the beginning of this one, it might be the end of the previous one, I've got my chronology mixed up, but when Jonas asks Adam why he hasn't changed anything himself if he knows all of this, and Adam kind of responds with this little smile, which to me feels as though he already knows that Noah is coming to kill him, which would make sense, because obviously he's experienced it himself. Um, But the idea of everything building upon what has come before it, the... uh, Adam's goal is to make it so that your life is not linear. Um, And I think that works. That is potentially working in kind of metaphor here. So he wants this world where you can, you know, go back to your your future and then visit the middle of your life and do all this kind of stuff to make your life as, I guess, as good as possible by, you know, changing things as, as, as they happen. But I think that also works in the context of kind of imagining how he plans to stop this. So it, it's not necessarily his older self who has all the information and is going to be the one to stop this. I think he's he's kind of everything has been put in place for maybe young Jonas to fix this now. Um, and I, I think the same is kind of true for Claudia as well. Um, so I think it, it's kind of playing with this idea of building on what has come before, um, but but not in a way that we might initially expect it to. Okay, cool. Um, so then we get. Uh, I'm just going to move on from that. Uh, then we get <laughs> uh, <laughs> Claudia actually giving um, a scientist guy uh, some of the god particle and mm. saying, "Off you go and analyze that boy." Yep. Uh, this feels. I, I actually, to be honest, I didn't like this when it first happened because I was kind of like, 
why is Claudia doing this when she already knows like she's already literally seen time travel so why is she going back and getting this confirmation from Burn and from the scientist guy but I think on reflection I don't know how you feel about this because obviously you, you know her character better than I do but I feel like it's actually quite a consistent reflection of her character as this kind of like driven and methodical individual who sort of sees the big picture and and wants to check all the boxes regardless of what she may or may not believe yeah exactly and also like she wants to know exactly what it is from the horse's mouth and then if she knows exactly what it is and what the, all the details of it is then later in time if she needs to have that knowledge she has it you know so if she needs like she doesn't know what is in front of her she's met her older self um so i, I would think that she as you say she wants to check all the boxes she wants to sort of see it for her own results and almost maybe as well as is that she doesn't quite believe it. You know, she might mm. maybe maybe is still she's been to she's traveled through time and stuff, but may, maybe it's it's still in that moment of like you know, is this really happening? Let's just check it. And and maybe she's if it comes back that it's not the god particle in the in the in the in the test, then maybe she would convince herself that maybe her dad isn't going to die. Yeah, that's that is a good point. I think um, you know she's seen something, but you know it. <laughs> I guess it's hard to. Well, I mean, we see characters in this in this episode, apart from her, who are struggling to believe that which they've seen in front of their eyes, despite despite that evidence. So, I, yeah, it's totally believable. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, stranger arrives back to the house with uh, Hannah. Um, there's a load of pictures of uh, Michael and uh, oh, Michael slash Michael on the table and everything. Um, so, basically, Jonas seems to have turned against Hannah big time here. Um, mm. What happened to have make this occur? Uh, so I have honestly forgotten when Stranger found out about Hannah's affair with Ulrich, but that feels like the catalyst for this. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's you know it. It's a really in, this is another of the really strong performances actually in this episode. So it's Andreas uh, Peachman, I think, is the guy who plays Stranger's name. Um, but he he plays this in a really interesting way, I think, because it's it's very believable as a child would act when they found out their parents were splitting up, I think, where he gets quite cruel about it and sort of expresses this sense of betrayal towards his mother, which, you know, to be fair, I don't think it's unearned. I think she is, I think she has behaved badly given she has a child, but it's quite a childlike thing to do to sort of project blame onto one half of the relationship without understanding there's the complexities of the relationship that they had um and it, and it does make to me it made the stranger seem like quite a childish character um which is consistent with someone who started traveling through time when they were 17 and and yeah, yeah. probably didn't spend that much time having good relationships with people one would imagine yeah i would agree and um definitely it's sort of it's sort of it what my i took from this scene in terms of you focused on Stranger, I was focusing on Hannah in the scene. Mm. This is now her truly isolated. You know, this is her truly by herself. Like he says, you don't need anyone, you only need yourself. Well, this has made that a reality as well because by the Stranger sort of falling out with her, I suppose, she's now literally got no one in the world that is on her side. It's really interesting you mentioned that actually as well because I think, I can't remember quite when the montage happens. Just after this. Is it just after this? Because the montage, is, to me, literally, is just going through all the characters who are completely isolated. So, and it's really interesting, actually. I hadn't really thought to focus on Hannah, but you're absolutely right. Like, she is 
she's completely alone and the the montage is basically showing us other characters and their own special forms of isolation yeah exactly so yeah so that's basically all we really need to say about the montage and this is, is there anything yeah. else you wanted to mention we, we, we mentioned a little bit of that montage earlier in terms of um enos and uh and mickle um as you say that it goes through a little bit it shows enos again putting the drugs in the cup uh yeah it, sh- it shows marta finding the uh the medal on the bed yeah um it shows egon on his own as well which is a sort of a heartbreaking kind of isolation although yeah. one we hope will be ending soon uh but i, I don't know i i i'm that my my heart says egon's going to move in with claudia and everything's going to be fine my head says i don't think that that's going to end well okay um what did you think about the uh the medal that uh marta got here like when she picked up we talked about it already at length but my what i want to hit on here is when she picked it up did she seem like she'd seen it before or did she was it new to her what yeah so th- this was actually something i was going to bring up to you so marta's response to finding that pendant is is really interesting because to my knowledge and, and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong here i don't think we've seen it in her possession before but it clearly means something to her based on the way she responds to it um so i i'm not sure what to make of that yet but it it definitely seems like it's something she recognizes uh yeah it definitely seemed that way to me as well and i do not believe we've ever seen it in her possession before yeah so that uh, that asks more questions than it answers yeah it <laughs> i does. don't know where where maybe it belonged to someone that she knows i'm not sure i'm interested to see where we go with that it's clearly important to her anyway yeah um, also, just to mention, we didn't mention it earlier, uh, Marta's screensaver, the Ariadne. Oh, is that what she had as a screensaver? Yeah, because how she was in the play, you know, like you can imagine her being obsessed that. with the play now. That's um, great, yeah. She's like, it's sort of like when I had that sort of brief infatuation with uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms when I was like 18, had a bunch of like Chinese literature at home. She's She's got really <laughs> into Ariadne for six months. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was obsessed with Les Mis whenever, uh, when I first started, yeah. first started going out with my wife, Emma, she... Uh, she was in three months later. She was in Les Miserables. She played uh, Madame Thenardier, and uh, and I had never seen Ma- uh, Les Miserables before. And then for like four months after, I just didn't stop stop listening to it. Oh, um, amazing! Yeah, it's, it's great. a good choice. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so uh, okay, basically that is the case of the pendant. Is there anything else in that montage we need to mention? I don't think there is. I think we've already mentioned Ulrich being gone mental. Is sort of be he's turning into a bit of a golem, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we see we see Charlotte. Um, hers is an interesting case of isolation, I think, uh, if that is to be understood to be the theme of this, just because she knows who one of her parents is. So in a theory, in theory, she should have something to cling to now. But I think actually she's more alone than ever because the one parent she knows about is monstrous. So she probably doesn't. She probably wishes she didn't know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she she's she's caught between a rock and a hard place now. Yep, definitely. Okay, so then we have the final scene, which uh, it's revealed that Adam actually has his own time travel god particle thing. <laughs> yep, and it's a um, different one. It's a different, yeah, it's like, it's a, what do they say? It's like his twin or something like that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a kind of the twin to the one in 2050, in the 2050s. Yeah. But it can do something which blows this popsicle stand wide open. <laughs> Like the fact that Jonas can now go to any day, I, I yeah, I don't know where we go from here. There are no rules anymore. Yeah, um, 
definitely not. So where do you think he's going? Well, actually, do you know? Can you remember where he's so going? He, so he says he's going to, I think it's the, it's the 24th of June, 2019, the day, basically the day before um Michael or Michael kills himself I believe is when he says he's he's going it might be the 20th actually of yep. June yeah 20th of June 2019 uh, so there's a lot in this so we we get cycles mentioned again which I I went on a big thing about it in the last episode and and when Adam talks about it here it seems like he's just kind of referring to the 33 loop the 33 year loop as a cycle so maybe I overthought that maybe a cycle is just these kind of strict 33 year loops that they can only travel between because they don't have access to, Wait, did, to did he machine. did he say it breaks the cycle uh i can't remember how, what he actually says but he definitely says the word cycle and it's re- in reference to the 33 year loops um so yeah it's, that seemed that seemed to stand at odds with my big theory in the last uh in the last episode um i don't i don't think like so okay so the whole conversation about what a cycle means, I, th- I think that it is even for me, like it even for people who've watched the whole show, it's it, you could argue it is it is up for up for up up for argument. I think the idea of what, okay. a, of what a cycle is. So I'm just gonna tell you what I think a cycle is. My, my idea of what a cycle is is I think it's literally referring to the sequence of events, like all of the bootstrap paradoxes together. So mm-hmm. like you know like when it, so each moment, like whenever like this conversation, right? If Adam had not had this conversation with Jonas and sent him on, then that would have been the cycle of all these events broken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that that's kind of where I'm where I was at with it as well. Like I kind, of, but I I sort of view it as a batch of actions that impact time in some way um, because they all seem to happen. Oh, they do. Int- they do int- impact time. Yeah, definitely. But like he's going back. He seems to have. Adam thinks he's found the loophole. If, if he stops Michael killing himself, then that'll stop all of, like, every single one of these bootstrap paradoxes, every single one of these cycle of events, it would stop. That's yeah. that's that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I think I think that's roughly where I am with it as well, actually. Um, it was just, yeah, interesting that he mentions it again here. And yeah. I think... I'm interested to see where you've... how you felt about Adam at this point in the series, because my... Re- like, basically, this entire episode, as I've, as I've said a few times now... Everything that he was saying felt like, oh yeah, this this feels right to me. Like you're, maybe this is a bit of a turn, and he's actually kind of a good guy here. But I couldn't get past this feeling that he was just telling Jonas what he wanted to hear, and and was maybe trying to manipulate him. And and it kind of it really came to a head in this final scene with the, if we stop existing, Marta will live, uh, line, which. It just felt so convenient and so manipulative to me that I don't know if I believe it's the truth. I, I mean, you know, also it seems to confirm that she she will in fact die in the apocalypse, I guess. But mm-hmm. that depends on whether Adam is telling the truth or not. Um, I I think I, I would agree with you. I think I think you. When I was that when I was at that point of the show, um, I would definitely have thought that there was something got because up to this point it has been positioned that Adam is sort of the big bad in this season. Yeah. And then the first time we get him, he's actually helping Jonas do what, what Jonas wants to do. It did feel to me a bit, a bit loaded what he was saying. Also, when he, you're really, really right, and when you point out like the last thing he says to him before he goes through is Marta won't die. That is whether or not it's he wants him to do what he's sending him to do or not. It is really manipulative. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm glad. I'm glad that was your read as well. Just because. Yeah, there's. If he just feels like everything he's saying is really convenient, and there is also 
just a little moment just before literally just before he sends Jonas back where he looks down as if guilty and then says if you do this it will reorder the world and it it just it feels like he send he he knows what will already happen and my suspicion is that Jonas's actions in 2019, 2019 will change the future so i think michael will survive but i don't think it's going to change it in the way that he's been told it will um mm, okay that's that's my that's my initial suspicion um and um just to just to briefly mention uh the production design again we've we've gone on about the production design of the different time machines at lengths on this but mm-hmm. this is such a great looking time machine like they they have i i don't really know how they do it they they've like designed three different time machines which are both believable obviously referential of like other time machine um, time machines from t- other stories and yet they're still distinct and it's just it's so impressive that they're able to keep doing this yeah and and they also sort of almost fit the time they come from like this one really reminded me of, of like tesla nikola tesla yeah like, yeah very much so yeah yeah um it's just great like in the film uh what is it the prestige uh, the prestige yeah with yeah. the big tesla coils yeah it really felt like the prestige to me this one um Oh, just out of curiosity, did you notice uh, there was a prop in the in Adam's uh, lair of another time machine with some co- copper coils on it, copper copper wire on it? Uh, what an actual physical prop! Yeah, it showed it showed it two or three times. I, I, I probably don't know sh- if I did notice that. I know. probably shouldn't have pointed that out to you because you didn't see it. But <laughs> but um, just out, I just wanted to hear like you'll, you go and watch it again. And there's there's a it shows you know how like he's talking about like the the machines sort of evolving throughout each each stage. Yeah. Um, well, just before he shows the blueprints and stuff, it ac- it actually shows a uh, physical prop that looks very similar to HG Townhouse's machine. It's just got a, it's slightly different design to it, and it's got like sort of a big, uh, almost like star of 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 copper wire wrapped around different uh, arms of the star. It's it's oh, really that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's it looks like an evolution up into HG Townhouse's machine. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I I didn't notice that at all. But I mean, you know, we kind of know he has the blueprints so it's obvious that he kind of knows what um you know what what the different evolutions of the time machine look like um but that's really cool that he's got an actual uh actual version of it kind of in a in a prototype stage yeah and it also mentioned as well he was talking about like the the, the chair that noah made he they talked about that that's part of the evolution of the time machines so what is your understanding of like how they went like do you think that that is true in that like it went from the chair and then somehow they eventually arrived at the blueprints for hg tennis machine or what, what do you think no I, I think i think this is going to be sort of bootstrap paradox territory here where it to my mind they all already know how to make the time machine that is there in the 1920s but they have to go through the iterations of testing and building these different versions of the time machine in different times to maintain the timeline as it's supposed to be maintained um yeah so i because if they didn't if they didn't do it then it wouldn't eventually be made even though they know how to make it exactly yeah but it does i am I'm still curious. The more the more we evolve this time travel plot, the more I look back on Noah's behavior um, in the the first season, where that barrel time machine. It's it's interesting that 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 came from designs that Adam holds because it it did feel to me like Adam was uh, like Noah was almost acting out on his own when he was testing that, um, and obviously that that doesn't seem to be the case. But it it's still 
it just it felt to me like he was trying to create his own time machine there and like breaking away from the designs that that the Sigmundus guys, although we didn't know who they were at that point, but who the what the Sigmundus guys were trying to do. But obviously that's not true. Although he may have th- done and then given the plans when he'd finished and got it working to Adam after. Yeah, po- that that is possible. That is possible. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that's the end of the episode. Let's get into the roundup. Yeah, let's do it. IMDb rating, 9.4. Oh, oh it's a that- strong one. They're all in the nines this season. I mean, it's a good season. It is a good season. I, I think, um, I think I would agree with that. I think it was, it was a really strong episode. This there was some really lovely, intimate photography in this one. Which, I mean, other episodes have had it, but for some reason, it just really stood out to me in this. Like the the uh, Ulrich's hands scratching at the uh, scratching at the 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 picnic bench. Um and the yeah the, the the children in the or I say children the teens in the uh, in the cave um the time really cops nice... yeah the time cops thank you very much um <laughs> and just some great performances um from a lot of the actors in this but particularly uh, Caroline Icorn as Charlotte and Mark, uh, Mark Vashke as as Noah they were they were both so good in that scene um and they're, they're such compelling characters to watch which is really weird to say about Charlotte actually um, Noah kind of from the moment he's turned up has been a great character and you've been you know one to watch not to say charlotte's been a bad character but if you if you took me back to where i was in i don't know let's say episode two of season one yeah i could not have called charlotte being as compelling as she is but i i I desperately want to see more about her and 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 admittedly that is partially because she's got this big mystery about who her parents are around Mm -hmm. her but it is, I think, also at least fifty percent because because uh, Caroline Icon's performance is so good. Um, uh, I love seeing the kids going off and figuring stuff out on their own. I think that's really fun. Uh, I hope it stays fun. I hope bad things don't start happening to them, though. We shall we shall see. <laughs> uh, and the uh, the Claudio and Egon stuff. I know we didn't get very much of it in this episode. I suspect we may get a bit more of it in the next episode. Um, but that stuff continues to be really touching, and the sort of looming threat of Egon's death uh, adds some tension to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very much willing Claudia to succeed in saving him, but I don't know if it's going to happen, guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, was there any ma- major theories coming out of this episode for you? Um, I mean, there were there were some big ones. We kind of talked about most of them already, but just yeah. to reiterate, so we we got. I think Jonas is going to stop Michael from killing himself, but I don't think it will fix the timeline, and I think Adam knows this. Um, I think Adam is going to allow Noah to kill him in the 20s because he knows that that's coming. Um, And I think there's this really interesting potential sort of double-pronged storyline where Claudia has willingly died so that... Oh, oh, sorry, older Claudia has willingly died so that middle Claudia can fix things. And Mm -hmm. uh, Adam will willingly die because he wants young Jonas to completely screw things up. Um, (laughs) that's That's kind of how I'm visualizing it at the moment um i don't know if that'll that'll prove to be true but the show tends to operate in sort of mirror so it could be um uh and yeah just that the adam is is technically correct um about the loophole and i think jonas not existing will be a way to fix this but i don't think jonas is going to blink out of existence when he stops michael from killing himself okay interesting all right so we've got a segment oh i'm, I'm gonna let the jingle play I, I don't know what it is, but when I kiss you, it's like I'm kissing my brother. 
All right. In this week's episode of Wincest, we, yeah. we are going to discuss the implications of Noah being Charlotte's father. That's, that's a bad we can, we, After we do this as well, we can also get into the implication of your theory about Elizabeth yeah. as well. But we'll just do the uh, the Noah thing first. Uh, so what, what do we notice straight away? Well, the first thing I notice is that uh, Peter Doppler is his son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, which is really interesting, actually, because if you think back to my theories in season one, I kind of theorized that um, Helga was um, his actual son. Oh, in fact, I came back to that theory in recent episode, but the Helga's his actual son, which would make Peter Doppler his grandson. And yet mm. we've come back around to the I, I kind of have fallen off of that theory, but we've come back around to conf- confirmation that Peter Doppler is his, is his son in law, which is great. Yeah, I just I love that idea. Talk about uh, talk about an in law from hell. You can you, you can imagine it's a good thing they didn't know like they didn't know this oh. before because you imagine Noah's uh, father, my dad. Fa- yeah. <laughs> father of father of the bride speech. <laughs> yeah, like he wouldn't give he wouldn't give her away willingly. I'll tell you that much. It would be like <laughs> if you so much as lay a hand on my daughter in any way that I don't like, I'm gonna shotgun you out back. Yeah, but he doesn't You're need gonna... to do that because she's so strong. But uh, yes, she is so strong. But uh, okay, so then obviously, I feel like Francisca is sort of lost in this whole thing. Like she's she's Noah's granddaughter too, you know? Yeah. So uh, okay, so hold on. So she's she's Noah's grand granddaughter because she's Charlotte's daughter. But but yeah, but like so, if if we're to be, are we assuming that Agnes is telling the truth, or that we are being told the truth when Agnes says that she is his sister? Yeah. Oh, I am assuming that at this point. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. So, so the Nielsens are cousins to the Dopplers, which yeah. means that Magnus is having sex with his second cousin once removed. I think. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's it definitely, they're definitely close, related. close they're, enough to be uncomfortable. Yeah. They're, de- <laughs> like, they're definitely related. Yeah. Which stick that one on the Vincest board because that's <laughs> yeah, still, yeah, like I mean you know the Vincest board at the moment is definitely Jonas and Marta bang number one with a bullet aunt and aunt and nephew that definitely should not happen yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna get some webbed feet in that relationship and to be and honest then, to be honest with you that 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 Francisca and Magnus incest going on that is something that's a bit overlooked by the fan base like oh, ev- really everyone's repulsed by the mag uh, the the Jonas and Marta stuff to a certain extent if you know what i mean yeah but but like no one Not ever as much re- as they should be yeah no one ever really <laughs> talks about the fact that magnus and francisca are technically related yeah that's oh that's no good at all and then hold on tronta well ulrich uh, ulrich's no, okay. ulrich's uh great uncle is noah yes yeah which which means uh Jonas's great 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 uncle or gr- yeah great 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 uncle is noah yeah that makes so, sense so that means that uh, adam is actually noah's great 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 nephew or something like that oh my god yeah that's nuts i mean that yeah the magnus francisca thing it, basically no one should ever be allowed to have sex in vinden is i think what we're, <laughs> what we're, we're establishing here because there's an above 50 percent chance that the person you have <laughs> sex with is going to be at least pretty closely related to you yeah, so your theory that everyone's Nielsen's, let's see. So, again, <laughs> Ag- Agnes is called Agnes Nielsen. Yeah, we know that. Which implies that she is either married to a Nielsen or she is born a Nielsen herself. 
Yeah, so, I, I, I'm kind of assuming that Noah is also a Nielsen at this point. Okay. I don't. I mean, that might prove to be wrong, but that's the assumption I'm working on. So that would mean um, it's it's uh, it, that would mean it's Agnes's uh, maiden name. Yes. Yeah. I, I guess I'm assuming that either Agnes was completely lying about being married. Like, I mean, which we I, I think is understandable because she talked about being married to a priest, and I don't know if I see another priest turning up. Um, or she's reverted to her maiden name. I don't know if she explicitly said priest. We'll just say that. I think. I think she. She. I think she definitely. It was like a preacher or something like that. It might. She might have said preacher. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It feels. That feels like a lie to me. <laughs> but so I'm assuming. I'm assuming Noah's Noah's name is Nielsen as well, or adopted name is Nielsen. I guess. So hang on a minute. Does that mean that Peter Doppler? Is the son-in-law of a preacher man? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he, like based on his relationship with Charlotte, he is the only man who could ever please her. Because <laughs> if I was her, I would have divorced him a long time ago. Although, God. actually, he doesn't please her, does he? That's the whole thing. Well, I mean, he must do something right because she sticks with him, and you know, I can't really see any reason why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly not for the kids, and it's you know, <laughs> like it's it's not benefiting either of them either. So yeah, it, there must be something about Peter that's that's redeeming. Maybe she just you know really likes having a psychiatrist in the family, like <laughs> it helps with <laughs> with uh, like conflict remediation. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and before before we go into the outro here, um, someone mentioned in a comment last week. Uh, that it was really cool. Like they they mentioned the idea. I don't, don't remember if it was on this uh, on the uh, on the podcast or on dark discussions. But anyway, they mentioned the idea that Noah wears a priest's uniform, maybe because he can jump in between all the different times, and no one would ever question his clothes. Yeah, I mean that is as we as we have demonstrated time and again. If you wear a high vis jacket. You can do just about anything, and no one will question you. And I think a priest's uh, uniform is kind of uh, the the sort of turbo high vis jacket. Like no one is ever going to question a priest. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a, a pass to go whatever, wherever you want and do whatever you do. Yeah. Like why why are you sitting on a rock in the woods eating an apple, farmer? Like it just wouldn't happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. No. No. The thing is, that's not even because like maybe they're. There, it's a lot of the, a lot of it might be as well like they, they have a certain amount of power and people are intimidated by that. But to be honest with you, these days it's probably just like I don't want to listen to that crazy old guy. Yeah. <laughs> so you see a priest uniform, you just run the other way. Yeah, he's gonna say something homophobic or something. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's the episode this week. I'm really looking forward to next week, episode I know you six. Are. Oh, 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 oh. oh, mama! And all of the comments have been telling me that I'm right. I am. I'm right to be excited for next week. Um, you you watch me turn up. For next week's episode, I just thought like, I didn't like it that much, and then we we'll yeah. have to awkwardly negotiate that. See if this is the first episode of Dark you don't like. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> mental. Uh, it'll just prove I have no taste. Yeah, yeah I know. It, uh, you'll like it though. You'll like it. Um, okay, so I'm really looking forward to that. Apart from that, make sure you subscribe on audio apps. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you've made it this far and you're not a subscriber, thanks for watching the video. Uh, <laughs> uh, give it a like all that sort of stuff we'll catch you on friday for the list of questions goodbye goodbye thank you for listening to the after dark podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode